0: But how many of you, just by a show of hands, um, actually want to talk to your kids about sex? Okay. Um, How many of you actually know that you should be the ones to talk to your kids about sex? Okay. That's okay. We're becoming friends already. I'm feeling it. Um, (laughs) Because that's kind of the same everywhere I go. And for those of you that are looking forward to it and want to, the rest of us salute you. Like we sal- We'll probably talk about you like after class, um, <laughs> but we do salute you for now. <laughs> um, one more question, and then I'll stop having you raise your hands, because friends don't keep making friends. Raise their hand after every question. But um, how many of you remember your parents having the talk with you? So a few of you. <laughs> You know, it's funny, though. If I were to invite all of your parents here, and by a show of hands, how many of you had the talk with your kids? They'd almost all raise their hands. I actually, my mom was sitting in the audience one time when I was speaking, and I said, yeah, I I don't remember having the talk. She, having the talk with her. She actually interrupted everything and said, Tracy, I did have the talk with you. And I'm like, Mom, you still haven't had the talk with me. And, you know, maybe you threw out, you know, just don't do it. Or uh, I have a friend who has uh, her parents said, um, don't do it because once you start, you'll never be able to stop. So, but as, as endearing as those are, those don't really count as talks. <laughs> um, those are honorable and admirable, but that, that doesn't count as a talk. So, uh, a little bit about me, Beth shared that um, I the most of my time is actually spent at the center where I meet young women who are coming in for a pregnancy test and their life is about to change with the news of a positive or negative test. Um, That's how I started in the ministry. About 15 years ago, the local high school asked, is there somebody at the pregnancy center that could come talk to the kids at the high school about sex? And I'm like, not me like no way but everybody felt that way at our center I'm not doing it you do it I'm not doing it you do it so I thought well I think I could do this well you haven't lived until you have spoken um I didn't care for public speaking anyway I still don't particularly care for it um but when you're talking to high schoolers about not having sex, it's it's invigorating. Like, the best I can tell you, is it's just invigorating. You have to try it sometime. You really haven't lived until you've done that. Uh, <laughs> but I start, so I kind of got this abstinence gig by default. Uh, but I really started believing it. You know, our, I was seeing young women come into the center who was looking for love and finding sex instead. Ones that didn't know the difference between a loving look and lustful eyes, ones that thought they could keep the guy if only they could get pregnant. So I really began to, to embrace it. And over the years, I have had the opportunity to meet young people. And it hasn't been without its challenges. Um, you know, our culture tends to normalize, you know, sexual behavior outside of marriage. And it seems that those who value uh, sexual purity and abstinence are kind of mocked and looked at as old-fashioned and, you know, and unfortunately a good cure for that is just to look around. I mean, our culture has never produced more broken lives, um, STDs, unwanted pregnancies than ever before. So, you know, some are like, Tracy, you're so old-fashioned. You do really expect that teenagers are going to not have sex until they're married. You know, you're so naive. Well, that's okay, they can say whatever they want about me. Um, I'm tough, I can handle it. Um, and our kids are tough, too. They are up against pressures that, they, that we never dreamed of facing, really. So the, you know, the, the truth is I'm not naive. I do see the consequences every day to those choices. So the title of this presentation is kind of cute, you know, teaching the birds and the bees without the butterflies. But the message isn't cute because it's probably one of the most important um, issues that you're going to be dealing with with your young people. So our kids, deserve, they really deserve to hear the truth. They deserve it. Um, the message of abstinence is the only way that our kids can stay 100% safe, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But I've noticed that there is a big hole in the whole approach when I go out. I love being with these kids. I love the time that I have. But, you know, an hour, two hours a day or two is not long enough. So I realized that, um, what's missing is parents. What if our kids woke up to a consistent message every day that they were a precious, priceless treasure, that they didn't have to settle for the players out there, they didn't have to settle for the ones who were going to use them up, and that was the consistent message? Because I would see a difference. You know, the teens responded. Our teens are great, by the way. Um, but they would respond. They would, they would share things, um, But I thought about, well, what kind of world are they going to go back into? What messages are going to drown that out? But if the parents could consistently give that message, that's where we're going to see the real difference. And that's why, you know, Beth said that I believe that you guys are the secret weapon. I really believe that. So the answer is you. And it's not just me saying it. It's actually our kids. Nearly 8 in 10 teens say that it would be much easier for them to delay sexual activity and avoid teen pregnancy if they were able to have more open, honest conversations about these topics with their parents. So the good news is kids want to hear from you guys about sex. Love in relationships. And we actually make a bigger impact than we think. Um, It's interesting, though, we as parents, we do a lot of preparation with our kids when they're young. We know, we don't teach them that, we don't wait till they're 13 to teach them that lying is not a good thing. We teach them when they're young. We don't teach them until they're 15 that stealing is wrong. We do it when they're young. There's a lot of preparation we do in the area of building values. We do that when they're young. but There's one subject that we tend to avoid when they're young, and that subject is sex, and we do that for a few reasons. Number one, we may be embarrassed. We may be uncomfortable. If you're like me, um, I just wanted to keep my kids just as innocent for as long as I could. Unfortunately, we don't live in a culture that shares our values in that area and if we're not talking to our kids about sex, someone else is. And they're getting it all wrong. So um, if we wait to discuss it when they're 14 or 15, it may not be possible to totally erase everything that they've learned already and rewrite it for them. Um, If we wait till they're 16, 17, the night of prom and knock on the door. (laughs) Hey, I need to tell you something. Well, it's possible that those values have already been established. So we want to talk about these things when they're young and age appropriate. Um, So most experts agree that the best time to begin talking to our kids about sex is earlier than you think. Um, The first step to doing this, you don't even have to talk to them yet. But you do need to think about it. You need to have a plan or a roadmap. So today, I want to help you develop your roadmap or your plan. Um, ask yourself, what do I want my children to know about sex? There are so many things we don't want our kids to know about sex that we forget that there are things we do want them to know about sex. Um, And we're going to talk about how to make that plan or a mission statement. And although you and I are just meeting, I have a feeling that I can tell you a few things that you do want them. To know about sex. You want them to understand that their sexuality has immense value. You want them to realize that choosing to have sex will have consequences on them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. it's oh. <laughs> fine. I'm like... Trying to, I forgot that it's in my ear. So like it, when I'm like slam that way I don't have to hurt my back the whole, the whole, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, you want them to learn how to recognize and protect themselves against people who will harm them. And you want them to avoid situations that would cause short-term and long-term disappointment and regret. How am I doing? Are those things you want your kids to know? So establishing a direction or a road map when your child 's young is going to help both of you okay it 's going to avoid helping you get lost along your way um, as you raise these kids. Um, your job is to make sure that the arrow that 's pointing at is beneficial to your child and that it 's permanent. It doesn 't change as they get older. Okay, so we want to make sure that when you make, develop that mission statement that it is a permanent pointing the direction that they need to go. Um, you know, if you're kind of not sure and, you know, you're like, well, you know, it's, some people say, well, you know, wait until you're in love. Hey, I'm a ninth grader. I'm always in love. <laughs> wait until you're old enough. Hey, I'm 14. I'm old enough. <laughs> Wait until you have a job. I think Chick-fil-A is hiring at 14. So like they are going to find the loopholes, Okay, So we want to make sure that the message that you give them is beneficial for them. Um, And so before you're quick to kind of go along with what the promiscuous culture is telling us, let me tell you just, just tell you a little analogy when I'm with teenagers. I tell them, you know, let's just pretend that I got a brand new smartphone, okay, And I had no idea how to use this. What would I do? After a few people guess, they say, read the directions. I said, that's right. The directions are going to tell me all about the features on my smartphone, um, how to get the best experience out of my smartphone. And so reading the directions is crucial to knowing how to work my smartphone. Um, Now, our children are way too valuable to entrust them to anyone other than the instruction manual. In regards to sex. See, God wrote the instruction manual. He created sex, and he wrote the instruction manual of how to handle it. Um, you know, he's the greatest inventor. He invented it. He likes it. He's the greatest inventor of all time, and he wants the best things in life, like sex, love, and relationships, to last a lifetime. So he did write the handbook on and this is what he has to say, one of the things. For this is the will of God for you, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, First Thessalonians 4.3. So I wanted my children to know that sex is a good thing. God created it to be good. But I also wanted them to know that sex wasn't a game. Okay, it was intended within marriage for the pleasure of procreating and, um, and also, you know, pleasure procreating. And it's a wonderful thing, but it should be kept within the boundaries that God established, and that's marriage. Um, The boundaries that were going to keep them emotionally safe, spiritually safe, physically safe. So he did establish the boundary of marriage. He ordained sex, but he also regulated sex, and his laws are perfect. So We established our plan, Chris and I, my husband Chris and I. We established our plan, and we wanted our children to understand that aside from everything else that they're going to be hearing in the world, that sex is designed by God for a husband and a wife to show their love and create a life. Now, we thought we were so cute to make it rhyme, but it just happened that way. But sex is designed by God for a husband and a wife to show their love and create a life. Now, this simple sentence is our mission statement. This serves as our compass for the direction we want to point our kids. The beautiful thing is that whether they're five years old or 25 years old, we still pointed them to this mission statement. It was simple. It was short. And so keep in mind that when you're developing your plan, less is more. Okay um, I am an encourager, so I wanted to not have it fear based as much as encouraging them and showing them a vision for how beautiful sex can be within marriage. This scripture, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law proverbs twenty nine eighteen do you know if I really believe if our kids caught the vision for the the beauty of sex within marriage, and we painted that picture and encouraged them and inspired them, that we probably would see a lot less um, unwanted pregnancies and STDs. I don't think we can always eliminate them. Our children have free will. Um, but we want to give them a vision because where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. I think we can see that in our culture. They don't have a vision for sex. So as, when we as parents can paint that picture, Um, and it, it really captivates their heart, we will see a difference. So the unrestrained attitude that anything goes is building and leaving a culture of wounded people. So when we do this, oh, I don't have that scripture. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, Deuteronomy 6, 7. So we want to make sure that we take those opportunities all the time to teach them. We want to talk to them often. We want to talk to them when we, you know, comfortably. We want to make sure that we're ready. So teachable moments. So we know you'll know what you want to teach when you give it some thought. That's your mission statement. When you teach them is up to you. But those teachable moments, you know, if any of you, you know, th- those of you that are parents right now, I think y'all probably are. Um, That you know that teachable moments come either intentionally, when you sit down and actually talk with your kids and make an effort, or when it just happens. Like, they come unexpected. As a mom, I can tell you the best teachable moments I've ever had are the ones that were not planned. They're when we're driving in the car, when we're making breakfast together, when we're cleaning up after dinner, planting, you know, outside. Those discussions were not planned, and they probably, looking back, are probably the best ones we've ever had. So... But it doesn't matter intentional or unintentional. You will do yourself a big favor if you anticipate the difficult questions, that you know what you're going to say on those questions that might come regarding sex and development. So when when you're comfortable, you're confident. And when you're confident, your kids get that. So we want to make sure we build up our confidence. So I have compiled, just for your personal enjoyment, um, a list of my favorite um, questions from my children about sex and development. How did I get out of your tummy? What does sexy mean? Why do men have nipples? I really didn't didn't know that one. Um, (laughs) But as they got older, the questions got tougher. What is rape? What does it mean to be a virgin? What is oral sex? And my response, what a great question. I am so glad you asked me. I was really not glad that they asked me. (laughs) It really wasn't. But that's an important part of the message, right? It's important that they know I'm the person that you come to. So I'm so glad you asked me. And I could say I wasn't glad. I really was glad that they asked me because that tells your kids that I'm available, um, that I want you to come to me. And the beauty of this, those questions, is that you, as the parent, have the opportunity to wrap it all up in your values. The answer is all wrapped up in godly values. So you need to welcome those questions so so if you're taken by surprise you might be tempted to give them the brush off Um, you might try to be brave and blindly stumble through it Um, awkwardly you get all sweaty and your heart starts beating and you want to know what you're gonna say so I would encourage you to kind of plan for those questions Um, keep in mind that the answer the way you answer those questions will be the open door for the questions that will come later Okay, so my son—I'll leave him unnamed because I really am scared. I use him so much for a, um, for a <laughs> my analogies or my you know my stories that I'm afraid of a lawsuit <laughs> at some point in the future. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I remember cooking in the kitchen one day, and I and I heard my son ask my husband in the living room, "Hey, Dad." He was eight years old, by the way. Hey Dad, I know a baby comes out of the mom, but how does it actually get in the mom? So I was, like, oh my goodness, I gotta listen and see what he's gonna say. Like I was like all over that. I was like, okay. So I hear him say, um, "Wow, that's a really good question." I'm like, oh, I love that man. Oh, I love him. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad you asked me. Oh, falling in love with him all over again. Actually, mom teaches that for a living. So, so let's go talk to her. <laughs> he didn't have a plan. Or actually, I think he had a plan, and he's a genius. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you earn the title of being the authority. On sex when you discuss it often and early with your kids. I, so I, I want my kids to know I'm the expert on sex. That any questions that they have about sex, I have the answers. Not the kids at school, not the kids on the playground, not the kids online. I have the answers. So we, c- we think sometimes that we're protecting them if we don't talk about it at all. We're keeping them innocent. But really, we may be doing more harm than good if we're not talking to them, because they will be hearing about it. So I promise you can do this. Let me see where I'm at here. Okay, there was a... Okay, I promise you can do this, okay? And I want to help you feel more at ease. So for now, all I want us to do is take a virtual walk together, okay? So we, we're going to... Throughout this walk, you're going to see guideposts. Okay, We're going to see different landmarks, and each one is placed in a strategic location indicating what lies ahead. Okay, It's going to help you understand the developmental milestones and stages, then appropriate discussions, and there's not going to be any unexpected surprises around the corner. You're going to learn to recognize occasions that will establish a foundation where you can teach good sexual values to them. So we want you to familiarize yourself with these guideposts um, along the trip because the next time you'll be walking, this road is going to be with your child. So we want to get to our first guidepost already. Okay, their bodies, the differences between boys and girls. Now, around this age, children understand that, you know, there's a name, one to three, We all have names, all of our body parts have names. Generally, the first words that we teach are their body parts, nose, eyes, ears, okay? So that just kind of comes naturally to us. And since they, you all know, they discover their genitalia early on, right? um, We might as well take the opportunity and include those in the introductions, okay? Now, let's be honest here. There is an interesting condition that affects a lot of us. And I was afflicted at one time, I promise. I could not seem to to say the correct anatomical names of the body parts. I could not say penis and vagina to save my life. Um, so if you stammer over those words and anything in the diaper or underwear area is a thingamajig or a hoo-ha or, you know, y'all have to see me afterwards and tell me you're you you know pet names for those, but um, um, but you may be afflicted as well. But we don't want to sound like we have that we're doctors. Like we don't want to you know, we don't want to have a PhD in genitalia and explain how it all is. But we really should use the correct names at some point, at least to introduce them to the words. Um, you don't have to use them all the time, but you should occasionally use words like penis and vagina. Okay, um, because those. Are going to help you when they get familiar with those words, those are gonna help you down the road. So you can take you know examples. What we're gonna do today is I'm just gonna give you a few examples. I want you to understand though when we're talking about these things, make sure it's just real matter-of-fact with your kids. Try not to stammer over them Um, (laughs) and stutter through them. So a child might say, I saw daddy's pee-pee. You did. I bet you thought it looked a lot different than your penis does. Well, God made it that as boys grow into men, their bodies change too. So I just incorporated that word into there. Okay? Y'all are looking at me like you're feeling a little... (laughs) Oh, it gets worse. Another example, Andrew told me that a baby is growing inside of his mommy's tummy. Actually, it's way better than that. God designed a woman to have a very special place in her body called her womb. It's not her stomach or tummy, but it's actually really close to her tummy. Men don't have wombs or uteruses because only they can grow. I mean, only women can grow the babies inside of them. So that is a way that God made men and women different. So why such grown-up words when they are young? Because they do need to get used to them. Um, even if you choose not to use them all the time, they still need to be recognizable, okay? So it's kind of like you're telling the story of sex, and this is the beginning, and this is where we introduce the main characters, okay? Okay. That's funny. <laughs> okay, so um, now warning: you now I, I, you have now given your child the um, tools to become a Sunday school legend. Okay, <laughs> because your. Um, your child's teacher, Ms. Perkins, may not think that the word vagina is um, near as cool as your child does. Um, so I understand there is a fear that if I tell them these words, they're going to use them. Um, and I don't want them to use them. So you can introduce the concept of modesty in even what we wear. Well, you know, because when we're teaching the body parts, we can incorporate lessons on modesty. We can incorporate that these are private special parts that need to be covered. The words are the same. They're private words. They're not bad words. They're just private. And if we're going to be talking about them, then it probably should be done here at home. And if you promise not to use them outside of the home, you can say them around mommy as much as you like. (laughs) Sorry. But... uh, (laughs) But know that they do need to get used to them. So we're going to talk about a little bit of mo- about modesty. You know, I came across this. You may have seen it. But Muhammad Ali's daughter um, wrote this in, in one of her books. And I just loved this. When we finally arrived, he, his daughter's telling this story. When we finally arrived, the chauffeur escorted my younger sister, Layla, and me up to my father's suite. As usual, he was hiding behind the door waiting to scare us. We exchanged many hugs and kisses as we could possibly give in one day. My father took a good look at us. Then he sat me down on his lap and said something that I will never forget. He looked me straight in the eyes and said, Hannah, everything that God made valuable in the world is covered and hard to get to. Where do you find diamonds? Deep down in the ground, covered and protected. Where do you find pearls? Deep down at the bottom of the ocean, covered up and protected in a beautiful shell. Where do you find gold? Way down in the mine, covered over with layers and layers of rock. You've got to work hard to get to them. He looked at me with serious eyes. Your body is sacred. You're far more precious than diamonds and pearls, and you should be covered too. I thought that was beautiful, and I, we do need to... That lesson out. It's kind of a natural protection that we give our kids when we talk about modesty. So, um, again, remind them that modesty refers to dress, it refers to speech, and it refers to actions. Okay, so up ahead, the next guidepost pregnancy and birth. Well, we know that sex comes before um, pregnancy and birth, but they don't know that. So we don't have to have that conversation just yet. So that's good news. Um, but we want to make sure that we have basic facts about pregnancy and birth, that we are going to know what we're going to say. And ha- we're going to have a seat right here because this probably this guidepost makes you feel a little more nervous than the last one did. Um, but if you will be comforted to know that if you look around, you'll see a lot of illustrations that you can use and to be introducing this topic. If they're not asking questions, you can begin by um, using people and things in your life. Um, so we've got your pregnant sister-in-law there. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> She's so happy. She looks just, just so happy. But <laughs> You know what? Aunt Susan's gonna have a baby. Did you know that? Soon it will come out and be your cousin. Okay, you can use the little doggies there. They're having a litter of puppies, you know. Um, the, ap- the little oranges or apples on the tree with the seeds. All of those are great lessons on how God makes things after its own kind. And so we're gonna talk. Let's say, okay, so your Aunt Susan is gonna have a baby. Soon it will be come out and be your cousin. And so if the questions continue, then you want to take the opportunity to answer those questions. Okay, well, how will it come out? What do I say? Wow, I am so glad you asked. What a great question. Um, I've been waiting until just the right time to tell you, and since you're asking, that must mean that you're ready to know. Um, Well, we know that a baby grows inside of the mother's womb, and when... The baby starts out. It's so tiny that only a microscope can see it. But it takes about nine months. The baby gets all the food and nutrition that it needs through the umbilical cord, which is attached to their belly button. Look at your belly button. You see your belly button there? That's where you are attached to me. Um, So it takes about nine months for the baby to be ready. um, And when the baby's ready to come out, the mother's body knows. And so she goes into what's called labor. Now, labor means hard work because it's a lot of work to get the baby to come out. But baby's ready, the muscles around the womb tighten, and the baby's pushed through the birth canal and out a special opening between her legs called the vagina. <sighs> I know. You can do this. I promise. Okay. <laughs> so you want to include that? Okay. Know what you're going to say. Be prepared. Practice if you have to. Practice with friends. They'll be. They'll love it. I promise. Uh, and you can say. You can even introduce uh, C sections at this time. Well, most babies are born through the vagina, but not. Sometimes babies are not able to go through the birth canal, but the doctors know when that happens. So they'll make just a little incision right below the belly button and be able to get the baby out in a very safe way. So you'll want to tell them about C-sections because it's possible they were born C-section or they have a friend who's like, I wasn't born that way, you know. And so we want to make sure that they have all the knowledge that they that they need. So the important thing is that you're the loving authority on the subject. You know what you're talking about. Okay, sharing this info tells them that mom and dad are the people to go to. And so when that they when they have questions and they they, they don't quite understand, where they're going to go? They're going to go to you, the one who knows everything. <laughs> Okay, now that you know this story about birth, I kind of feel it's only fair that I warn you as your friend that up around the bend, around the corner, is the big talk. Okay, so, again, we have prepared them, right? They know the names of the body parts. They know about pregnancy and birth. And around the ages 7 to 9, and I know that sounds really young to some people, and you know your children, you know your children. You know if they're ready for this um, at this age. But don't assume just because they're not asking questions that they, you know, they just don't know anything because they may not be asking questions because they do know more than you think that they do. But you want to evaluate your child's maturity level and what they, maybe what they've been exposed to and um, what you think that they're ready to know. But generally around age eight is a really good age to talk about this because they're not so old that they're embarrassed and humiliated that mom is actually bringing this up, but they do have somewhat of the, they're able to understand um, the biology of it. Now the good news is that children, I think Mary Flo Ridley said that children age 10 and under, they don't comprehend the dangers and pleasures of sex. So that's good news for us, right? We could take those off the table. See, we think, wow, if I'm going to tell them about sex, I can't tell them that. See, because we have a lot of things that we know about sex that we think they're too young to know that. But there's a lot. You don't have to tell them all you know about sex. You stick with the biology of it at this age. The pleasures and the dangers of sex, they would not comprehend anyway. So you're going to want to start by defining maybe what they already know. And, um, and uh, you want to know that because you want to avoid over-explaining, okay? <laughs> Mom, you know, where did I come from? Um, well, here it is, okay. You know, you go into your sex talk and they're like, I was just wondering if I'm from California or from <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> so when my husband valiantly passed over our son to me for that part of the talk. Here was my response. Um, Well, God designed a husband and a wife. Now, hear those words, right? Because part of my plan, God, husband, wife, I'm going to be using in what I'm teaching. So God designed a husband and a wife to make a baby together. Since a baby is both a part of the daddy and of the mommy, they hold each other really closely, and their bodies fit together in just a very special way and that makes a baby grow inside of the mommy. That was nice, except if (laughs) your son or daughter is like my son or daughter, he wanted more. Okay, I know, I know. Um, But you'll hear, we incorporated our plan. We wanted to reinforce that sex is best kept within boundaries of marriage. Um, So again, a simple response like that, we'll keep it simple in the beginning. But a simple response, they might skip away, and you're like, "Phew, dodge that bullet. Um, but, you know, well, how does, he, this is my son, how does the daddy get his, his part inside of the mommy? <sighs> Deep breath, Tracy. You know what to say. You have said this a hundred times, okay? You can do this. Uh, you can do this in your sleep. Um, just go to your happy place. <laughs> and Ready? set? And great question, Matt. I'm so glad that you asked me. Uh, this is something that you learn as you get older, and I definitely think that you're old enough to know that. Sex is the special way that God designed a husband and a wife to make a baby and show how much they love each other. So a baby is both a part of the daddy and of the mommy. The part of the daddy is the tiniest little seed his body's making it all the time, called the sperm. Okay, and the part inside of the mommy is the tiniest little egg called the ovum. And because the two parts live in two different bodies, they have to get together somehow. So, somebody's squirming right now. Like, I could just see her over there. (laughs) But they actually use their private parts, or to make that happen in order for that to happen. So the husband puts his penis inside of the wife's vagina, and the sperm comes out and meets up with the ovum. And instantly, half of the daddy, half of the mommy makes a beautiful new human being. I smiled to myself. I closed my eyes. And then I opened my eyes, and I looked at my son's face. And it was a look of horror. (laughs) Really? That is disgusting. <laughs> you have four kids. You've done this four times, <laughs> Mama. Just four. Just four. That's it. <laughs> but I want them, that's okay. I, want, I wanted him at age eight to think that sex was gross, right? I just reassured him, I promise you. Let, I know it sounds gross. That's okay. Um, but I promise you, as your body matures and you, you know, get married, you turn into man, you're going to want sex. But for now, that's fine. You can think it's gross. But, um, so do you see how we did that? We have used the, the body parts. We have used the pregnancy and birth. And now we're using the big talk. And you guys can do this. I promise you. Um, so, but now it could be that your child will not ask questions. And you're gonna be like, who's oh, <laughs> That's okay, but you know, that doesn't mean you, you're, not, you're getting out of it. I mean, you still have to have the talk. You just have to be a little more creative because, it, you know, somebody's like, well, um, my kid's 11, 12 years old. They have never asked me anything, and they probably know more than you think that they know if they're that age. So, what you'll wanna do is you can't really count on their questions to be your guide, so you're gonna maybe wanna initiate a talk and you know some people choose to go away for a weekend there's some great material out there there's great books out there um um passport to purity is a weekend to take your kid away and and kind of go over these things like peer pressure and and um the talk all of that good stuff but you're going to want to set it up a time you can set a date you can say you know what There's something that mommy and daddy or mommy or daddy only, every family is different, but there's a a date that we want to set. You pick the place, you pick, you know, you pick, we'll go out to dinner, we'll do some fun things, and it's just something we're planning, something special that we're planning. You can take them out and make it a real happy, happy time, and maybe say, when you're alone, maybe say something like, Catherine, you are such a beautiful person, you know, we love you so much, do you know how much we love you? Um, We are so happy to have this special time with you. There's something that we want to talk to you about that you learn as you get older. And we definitely think that you're old enough to know. You were too young to know this last year. But this is something that you learn as you get older. And we believe that right now is the time for you to know that. So God is so good to us. Did you know when God created people, he thought it was so wonderful, such a wonderful thing that he also wanted us to experience that special feeling of creating a person. so But do you even know how a baby begins? So we have this special book. We, ha- we, ha- we wanted to talk to you, whatever, ha- whatever tools you want to utilize. But we want to tell you this fantastic way that God allows us to create other human beings. So you can kind of initiate those things. So you'll want to include in any of your talks... Hmm. Let me get over there. Okay, you want to include that sex is private. Okay, now that you know what sex is, you're going to be hearing a lot about sex. You're going to be hearing a lot about it on TV. You're going to be hearing about it on the bus with your friends. Sex is private. So when we talk about sex, it probably should be done here at home for now. When we see sex on TV, we probably will want to turn the channel because sex is a private thing. It's a good thing, but it's for marriage and it's private. You want to explain how the world views sex. Now that you know about sex, again, you're going to be hearing a lot about it, and some of it will be good, but most of it will be pretty messed up. And what they're trying to do when they talk about it in dirty ways or use bad words for it or make it different than the way God designed it to be. They're just trying to take the specialness away from it. And I want you to do me a favor. Every time you hear somebody talking about it that way, I want you to just whisper to yourself in your head, I know the truth. My mom and dad have told me the truth. Because it's not like they're not going to hear about this, right? It's not like we can shield them from everything that they're going to hear or that they're going to learn, but they can know what the truth is. So, and we've done that for them. So guidepost number four, prepare for puberty. Do you see my clouds are getting a little bit darker? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you're going to do everyone, in, and we're just going to touch on these, but do everyone a big favor by preparing your children for puberty. Um, we, whether you want to take them on another date to prepare, probably should be a different one. Don't include everything all in the one talk. Take them out and explain how their bodies are going to be changing before they do. Okay, we want to make sure that they know what to expect. Girls, we want to make sure that our girls know that about periods and be prepared for that. You know, the doctors can usually tell when when menstruation is, you know, a year or two off, uh, you know, up the road. So you can kind of gauge that on when you're going to have that talk. Make sure they have um, in their backpacks a little period kit, something special that you'll... But you're going to want to prepare them that as they grow and mature, their hormones are going to mess them up a little bit. (laughs) And they probably will not like you very much. (laughs) You're going to embarrass them. Uh, But if you prepare them ahead of time, you can, you know, let them know that although their feelings towards you might change a little bit, that can we make a commitment that when we see those things happening, that we work extra hard at staying close. Okay, and then there's puberty. Do you guys, those of you, I I crack myself up. Like, I love these hazard signs, and I was like putting, you know, because I've got two right now going through puberty. Um, But puberty is a time when you actually can bring the issues of the dangers and pleasures of sex back to the table. This is when sex makes a little more sense to them, Okay, so it becomes much more relational. You know, they're interested in relationships. They're interested in the opposite sex. We want to make sure that we try to remember what it was like being a teenager and not always knowing the difference between attraction and love and those things and how sex plays a role in all of that and how they need to avoid getting hurt and recognize but validating those feelings of attraction the opposite sex, so okay. And along this trip, so we've kind of got gone through it. I want you to remember to bring your sunscreen. Okay, don't forget the sunscreen. Now, growing up in California, Beth and I both grew up in California. We didn't know each other there, but um, that was the era where there were no seat belts and car seats, and um, we drank out of the hose, and we did not wear sunscreen. We Oil just oiled ourself up real good, but sunscreen was not even. I don't know that my parents ever purchased sunscreen. Um, we know we know why we use sunscreen now. We know the importance of it, right? We do it for two reasons: to protect them right now, but also to protect them from the damaging, lasting consequences down the road. So, and instilling these godly values is like slathering your child's heart with. Just protection. Every time you teach your children about sex and bring your values into it, you're protecting them. You're slathering their heart each and every time, reapplying it. And um, we're gonna, it's not that they're not going to feel those damaging effects, or the, they're not going to feel a little heat right, from the sun. They're going to get exposed. But they won't have the damaging effects, hopefully. Okay, we're going to do all we can, at least, as parents, to give them the tools and prepare them and make sure that we can protect them as much as we can. So don't forget your values any time that you're talking about sex. So one of the things that we didn't have along our, our path that I promise you will be there is obstacles. Okay? So along this path, you're going to be facing some obstacles. The obstacles in the way are going to be the things that deter you from the values that you've established over the years. Some of the things can be peer pressure, the media, the desire to date at a young age. Once you note the obstacles, then you can protect your child by placing a boundary. The things that we value, we protect. So we might place boundaries. If it's a friend who's a bad example to them, we need to put a boundary on that. If it's something that they're watching, we need to put a boundary along those. You could do two things with, with our obstacles, right? You can either, as they get older, you might see that the media is a springboard for conversation. You know, you're watching a television show, and rather than go around this, obstacle by turning it off, you might tackle it and say, you know what? That's interesting. They just went out on a date, didn't they? And now they're going to have sex together. or They're going to sleep together. What do you think about that and the things we've talked about? How does that differ from what God tells us? So you can use that as a springboard. Um, so when they're little, we tend to go around them. But when they're, when they're um, older, we want to Go over. We want to tackle those obstacles intentionally. So those are things that you can prepare them. Some of the things we can prepare them for, when they're little, we can role play with them. You know, situations that they need to stay away from. Uh, we can teach them things like, uh, even if it's sexual sexual modesty or just protecting them from sexual abuse, we can dress them in, um, in s- swimsuits. So you've got a one-piece for a girl and and trunks for the little boy, OK? and Whatever, you can tell them. Put it on and tell them whatever it, their swimsuit is covering, whatever part of their body is covering is off limits to anybody touching you in those areas, except for the doctor. Sometimes the doctor will have to. But mommy will be in there. And it will be for your care and for your safety. But nobody is supposed to touch you in those areas, if, unless it's, again, for cleaning or for care. Um, So we want to make sure that we're role-playing with them also. And also, as they get older, refusal skills. Because it would be nice if we could walk along their road next to them the whole time. But there's going to be times that you're not going to be there. And they need to know how to get out of situations that they're in. So uh, one of the, you know, one of the really just simple tools that I gave my kids is the word nice, okay, using the word nice to get out of any situation that they, you know, are facing maybe some pressure. It didn't have to be sexual. It could have been any peer pressure. So N stands for no. You tell your, if you're getting pressured to do something that you know is wrong, you just tell them no. And how you tell them no is important. You don't say no. You say no firmly. I stands for It's an I statement. No, I don't want to get into trouble. No, I don't feel like it. No, um, I don't want to get pregnant. No, whatever. They make an I statement. C stands for change. If they're still getting pressured to do something, after they've said no and they've stated their reason, they need to change. They need to change the subject, or they need to change the location. No, I don't want to get into trouble. Let's go outside and and play. No, I don't. I don't want to get drunk. I don't like alcohol. Let's just go talk to um, Savannah over there. Okay. And then the East is exit. If after those three things, they're still getting pressured, they're probably in not a great situation, and they need to exit as quickly as they can. they can. And let them know, you don't care where they're at. You don't care what's going on. They, need, they can call you or text you to tell you to come get them. And you're not going to be upset. But there will be a, probably a good discussion <laughs> that goes along with that. But um, so, again, give them the tools along the walk. Again, you're going to be walking alongside of them sometimes. Sometimes they're going to be running up ahead of you. And then there's going to be a really sad day when you've let them go, and they're on their own. And I didn't even put a slide up there for that, because it would make me cry. Um, (laughs) But your job is done, and you've done all that you can do. Uh, Just real quick, I'll just tell you about my daughter. My daughter, on her 13th birthday, we gave her a dozen roses. We did sparkling apple cider, candles. Her daddy took her out for a, a date. She came home and we gave her a gold ring to wear. This was a tool that we saw that would be something that will remind her. It was a gold ring, a heart wrapped up in a bow. And she was, oh, she loved it. We explained to her that this is a reminder that she's a precious, priceless treasure that her heart belongs to God first, and then to the man that he has prepared for her. Um, so 13 years old, she was bright-eyed, she was excited. 16 years old, we told her she can begin dating. And she had a couple interests, but no, nothing serious. She went off to college, and she was kind of waiting for that man, and she was excited to, to meet him, and 19-years-old um, came, 20-years-old came, 21-years-old came, 22, 23, 24, and she started looking at me and saying, I think I'm just going to have to settle, and um said don't do that you know but it was difficult and um 25 came 26 came um and 27 came and she just got married last September and her daddy said something to her at the at the wedding he toasted her and her new husband and said you know she wrote me a letter last night and she thanked me for teaching her never to settle and he looked at the man that she had just vowed to spend the rest of her life with and said she did not settle but it was not an easy road for I think any of us you know it's not all pretty and you know it's it can be difficult but when you're you know I said the things we value we protect you know we want them to capture this vision that the things that they value they protect because we are only with them for so long um it's not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. Okay, so we want to make sure that they catch that, and that we're their cheerleader along the way. And just a side note, um, her sister just turned. So she had always said, when she gets married, she's going to take that ring off and give it to her husband um, and say, "I waited for you my whole life." But she didn't at her wedding, and I was confused. And um, She said no because her sister, it just turned 13 last week, and she wanted to give it to her. So we just put it on on the little one's finger, and she's 13, and now she wears the ring that her sister has worn. And so I I tell you that to tell you that this is possible. It's not easy. It's not always going to be an easy road. But remember that the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains. The superior teacher demonstrates, and the great teacher inspires. And remember that above everything else, what we do with our children is for the glory of God and for their good. Okay. Thank you so much for having me today. I so appreciate it.